All right, we're going to save your voice, so give me a thumbs up if you're ready to go. You gave me a thumbs up. internet and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I am joined this week by... Mike. Or at least half of his voice. Um, he's a little croaky and Ben is at a thing, so it's just the two of us today. Um, so, we thought we would have a discussion on uh, corporate ethics in video games. I think just ethics in general. Yeah. A lot of it's going to be... Uh... <clears throat> corporate focused or whatever, but yeah, there's there's a lot of ground to cover, and I'm sure we'll do another related episode. I'm sure that we could probably milk this cow a little bit. Yeah, we don't have too much news to cover, but we'll cover what we've got. Um, since Ben isn't here, we'll we'll start with Fallout seventy six is a hot mess. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> peel, peel that bandaid off. <laughs> Uh, it's been having multiple desyncs, the critic reviews are in, and no one seems to like it, because, as I've been saying for a few weeks, it doesn't really seem like it's gonna be a Fallout game, it's right. gonna, it fe seems like it's gonna be an Arma 2 clone, with, with a Fallout coat of paint slapped on it. <laughs> and, lo and behold, I was right. You've heard of that game, Don't Starve, this game is Don't Refund. Yeah, and, and a lot of people are mad and have been wanting refunds, and Bethesda ain't, do, ain't hearing it. If you've launched the game, you can't have a refund, which, um, fun little piece of information, is illegal in Europe. Oh, um, <laughs> well, that's awkward. Yeah, there is a reason that people are... That there are a couple law firms right now investigating whether there is whether or not there is an available class action suit. Yeah. Um, for pre people who bought Fallout seventy six and sought a refund and didn't get it. By the way, this this will be a teaser for something we talk about in the episode proper. That is the concept of games as a service. Yeah, there's that. That's that's worth mentioning. That's games a, as that's a service. That's thing we'll is, talk about. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> But, you know, my I am sorry to everyone who bought the game and were hoping that it was good. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not mean, sure if Ben has played it yet. Yeah. I hope that he is enjoying himself. Like, I never hope that people do not enjoy themselves playing a game. Right. That is never... Like, even though I'm kind of... I feel somewhat vindicated in my whole, it's not going to be a good well, game prediction. It's, it's only prediction. to make a prediction. Yeah. Especially when there's a good amount of people taking the opposite point of view and yeah. then being vindicated. I and and so I take a certain amount of vindication there, but I don't, I don't relish it too much. Even though I seem to sound like I'm gloating right now, I am disappointed that it is not a good. Yeah. Game. Well, also you are a huge Fallout fan. Yes. So the the biggest thing is that you're just disappointed. The Fallout brand is I, taking a hit. I would have loved to hear, man, Neil, this is a really great game. You should get in on it because I could have. Right. I wasn't going to get in on it. Well, I wasn't going to get in on it uh, at launch because it's a Bethesda game. They're notorious for bad Bethesda launches. does not know how to launch games. They're buggy. And this one is even worse because it's a live game with an always-on internet connection requirement. 
And if their servers go down like they have a lot, yeah, then the game stops working. By the way, that's another thing we will at least touch on is the always on, always online concept when it comes to games. It's typically a bad idea. Yep. Uh, well, it's no, not typically a bad idea. It has to be done right. Right. Like well, most well, MMO games have right. to it's, be. It's usually badly implemented. Yeah. Unless that's like one of the key, like unless that's part of your starting point <clears throat> is like it's an online game. Like yeah. MMOs are always online because they have to be. Well, Diablo three had that going on, and that was a problem. Yeah. Because you couldn't play it single player if you didn't want to. Like if you if you wanted I mean, to, you can but, well you, you can, but you still have to be online. Right. Like, I can't play Path of Exile when I'm not online, but that's because it doesn't have a non-online mode. It and doesn't, to be fair, that's yeah. also a free game. It's also free, yes. Yeah, you're not paying 50, 50 60 bucks up front. Yeah, and I'm, not play- and I'm playing for a game that... And, and I'm paying a game that is advertised as not being... Uh, as not being technically a solo player, even though you right. can totally play it solo. Yeah, I don't really party up with anyone, but you—it's still not. Yeah, there's more of an emphasis. Yeah, on the multiplayer for that, for sure. Which is funny because you know, people that developed that were people that worked on Diablo. Uh, Diablo two. There's some yeah, original Diablo two devs. Yeah, they got a lot of Diablo two devs initially. Yeah. yeah. Because their whole thing was well, Blizzard doesn't seem to be making a sequel to Diablo two anytime soon. Uh, because this was a while before Diablo right, right. before Diablo three came out, so there was like well. Why don't we just? Why do don't we make that? <laughs> it's very analogous to uh, Paizo and Pathfinder in the days of Fourth Edition D anD. d Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, they're not doing this thing. It seems like a lot of people want this thing. Should we do the thing? Okay, <laughs> we, did, we did the let's thing. Let's fill a market niche. Yep, <clears throat> and yeah, they made a killing doing it. Yep, um, I, we touched on this a little bit uh, last time, but speaking of Diablo, um, Diablo Infinite. Oh my God. Do you people not own cell phones? Ooh, I finally yeah. actually caught up a little bit on the, um, on on the the, the news cycle on yeah. that, and that and it's just kind of hilarious because it's like it's like the Ghostbusters trailer all over again with the YouTube dislikes and stuff. Yeah, when you know? like, I, I like, I I am ambivalent towards the fact that Diablo Infinite is coming out. Right, me too. Like, okay, whoopee, it's a mobile game. It's probably going to suck because 99... <coughs> it's okay. Yeah. Because ni- he, he's, getting, he's getting over it. Because 99% of mobile games suck. Just like, it's really hard to find the, the, the hidden gems. Well, not only that, but they are... Uh, you know, you talked about um, Fallout 76 and how they kind of just... They made a game, and then they slapped the Fallout name on it. Well, they're not quite doing that here. Like, they're still very involved, but the actual developing of the game, they're farming out to a Chinese company. Which has made a game that is... That knows how to do mobile stuff. Yeah, which which has made a mobile game that is notorious for pay-to-win tactics. Yeah. Which is a thing I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, too. Right. Um... Teasers for the, for the rest of the episode. It is funny how the news works out, because it's like... It's, <laughs> we can't... Yeah. You can't speak a couple sentences without stepping on one of these ethical landmines. Here. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, but the long and short of that is a lot of people were really hyped up about some big thing in, in BlizzCon, and then the big thing turned out to be, hey guys, it's a mobile Diablo game. And people are like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, and, and the people <laughs> on stage 
didn't know how to read and work the room. Yeah. That's the that, that's the thing that like uh that that's the thing where like where where it really fell apart. Yeah. It was like when you get booze from a packed auditorium that are loud enough that you can hear them because they are the loudest thing, maybe you don't antagonize the room. See, I haven't actually had a chance to watch it. I've only heard There is that. a beautiful bit of, like, uh, on the third or so line of booze, the person on stage says, do you guys not own cell phones? Oh, my God. In, a, in an unironic way. Wow. Yeah. That is, oh, jeez. That's bad. <laughs> like... This is probably the worst thing since the, <laughs> since the PlayStation 3 debacle. 500 where, where, US dollars. Yeah. The PlayStation 3 will debut for 599 American dollars or US dollars or whatever. <laughs> and my favorite bit about that how is when he was saying like, uh, and I think it was Kaz Hurai that said this, the the main uh, Sony guy back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying like, oh yeah, people work two jobs to get a PS3. I'm like, holy shit. That is the most conceited thing I have ever heard. It's pretty. It's pretty hard to top that. And people wonder why the Xbox 360 really won that. Uh, <laughs> that well, actually, the, the, Wii, the Wii won that generation well, yeah. real hard. But when, when, but no one considered the Wii as part of the <coughs> the competition right. there. So right. at, at Xbox 360 versus PS3, Xbox destroyed. Right. Now, and the Wii be, just casually sat over there and fair, made millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, over towards the end of that that uh, gen- console generation, uh-huh. the uh, Sony did catch up to a decent degree. Yeah, the system got better, and the stink of the ridiculousness, you know, dissipated. But yeah, three sixty three sixty won pretty hard when you're just doing that one to one comparison. And then the PS, and then they turned turned it around with the PS four because right, and Xbox had did the same it was damn Microsoft's thing. Microsoft's turn to step in the crowd. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. It was like uh, that that social media guy that was like, deal with it. Oh my god, what? Who are these people? I can it, anybody with a pulse can do their job better. It's just, my God. Well, anyway, that's that, more that, fodder that, for the episode. Yeah, that gets so. into something that I'm going to mention in the episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Social media, community relations, all this stuff. These are all fertile topics, so we'll yes. move on. But. Uh, do we have any other news other than Fallout 76 sucks and uh, and Diablo was kind of funny? The Disney stuff. Ah, uh, yes. Um, this is, it has been officially confirmed that Disney is not going to be renewed. Uh, for, well, for one... There is not going to be a fourth season of Daredevil. Um, so the only thing that hasn't, the only two things that haven't been officially canceled at this point are Jessica Jones and The Punisher. Um, and uh, Disney recently announced uh, that they are not going to be picking up those shows for their Disney Plus streaming service. So they are just dead now. Completely dead. So long. And thanks for all the fish. Daredevil, the man without streaming. Yep, unfortunately. And, like, I haven't watched all of season three yet, but what I watched was really good. But yep. then everything I've watched of, of the Netflix Marvel shows have been really good. <clears throat> yeah, I really enjoyed season three. It's, it's, a, it's a shame, but at least it's ending while it's still good. I'm, I'm just really mad because they killed Luke Cage, bef- like... On a really bad, on a really good cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. In any case, um, at least it wasn't such an explicit cliffhanger like the X Files or something like that. You know. Yeah, true enough. Um, anyway, 
Circle of Life. Yep. Anything else? Um, just a quick headline I saw. I don't know, you know, the interest varies, obviously, but uh, we, we live in an age of a gazillion remasters and remakes. Uh, Command and & Conquer and Command & Conquer Red Alert are apparently going to be getting remasters. Really? Which is cool, I guess. I love those games, but I'm just... I have remaster and remake fatigue, to be honest with you. Well, it's easier than making a full game. It's exactly. Re- it's easier than making an entire game. I'm kind of looking forward to that because CNC... I have a copy of CNC Gold yeah. installed on my computer. It runs... It, it, it runs, kind of, but, like, you have to screw with .ini files, and yeah. it's... I might actually pick that up, as long as they don't, um, as long as they they don't patch out the wall glitch. The wall glitch. Okay. Refresh so, my memory. In Command and Conquer Gold, the first one, CNC ninety five, CNC Gold, whatever you want to call it. Enemy AI was oh, incapable of targeting. I do remember this. Walls. Right. So you would just make so elaborate all, walls. Yeah. So all you had to do. <laughs> Like, you could, in fact, once you got the aircraft, the Orcas, if you were playing JDI, or once you stole a helipad with an engineer as Nod, you could just wall your base off with sandbags, which cost nothing. Yeah, they're like five bucks. And built almost instantly, and then just send out your raiding parties of, of, you know, 10 or 15 um, airplanes to just go out and... If you, and if you really wanted to troll them, you could make like a little yellow brick road of sandbags to their base, and, uh-huh. then, and then just have a funnel of troops going in there. Yeah, or off at the or um, build a nice long wall into their base, <coughs> and then um, you know drop an advanced guard tower or a or an yeah. obelisk of light there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> one of those one of those tower offensive strategies. Yeah. yeah. My favorite example. Of and that it, is, it was uh, it was bad AI, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, favorite, and you didn't have to abuse it. My favorite example of, of the offensive defensive structure tactic is StarCraft. Small map, your Zerg, their Zerg. You run a drone over real quick, build a creep colony, and instantly win the game. Now they have to be very unaware for that to actually work, but uh, when it does, it's hilarious. Because you know you can build on any creep; it doesn't have to be your creep. Right. So it's like creep colony, sunken colony. It kills all their drones; they're dead. <laughs> right. If you sneak that in there, it's game over. Now, anyone who knows, anyone with half a brain is going to probably notice, and it's not going to work. But if someone's extremely slow, or it's an AI, and you can get away with it, you could do that, and it was the funniest thing. Yeah. Anyway. So I that's interesting. That that is interesting news. I hadn't heard that. So that's yep. something I can keep on my radar. I never yeah. actually played Red Alert One because, oh, well, I have it on my computer. Because I bought uh, the 10th anniversary uh, release, uh-huh. which was just the games. It was CNC, yeah. Gold, Tiberian Sun, um, Red Alerts 1 and 2, uh, Renegade, and Generals 1 and 2. Generals is my favorite. Generals is a good game. I like Generals. Um, the ones on the original uh, Dune 2 engine, because that was the engine that they built, because... Uh, Westwood initially made Dune 2, which was a real-time strategy game that was remarkably similar to Command & Conquer because same damn engine. Right. (laughs) Um, Those two games were built on the Dune 2 engine, and they 
the engine has problems because it w didn't take into consideration radical advances in hardware over the past over the next 15 years oh. or well 10 years i guess but because it was the first decade right but it was like you have to in order to make cnc gold work right you have to like disable all but one of the cores of your processor like it doesn't it doesn't care about it you know, I'm, I, I could be confusing this with Thief, the Dark Project, but because it all had similar problems. Yeah. But um, like you have to you have to make your hardware not not as good in order to make the game run right. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the bottom line. That I guess is not having to mess around with all that crap, then actually having a base of people actually playing multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, I don't care too much about the multiplayer. I just like to replay the story. Yeah, um, I mean the single player is definitely solid, but yeah. it's fun to be able to play with friends if they decide to. That's true. Buy in. In any case, uh, I think that's really all the news we have. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, spoiler of the week: How do you make uh, How do you make aliens better? Remove the letter A. <laughs> Um, in short, in short story, the game uh, Aliens Colonial Marines came out and was a hot mess of garbage, and uh, and just recently this year, Colonial Marines came out what like twenty ten? No, it was uh, it was twenty thirteen. But it's it's been like five years. Um, somebody was dicking around in the code uh, for the game, and they discovered that. There was a single letter in the code that made the aliens not actually um, act right. <laughs> that boy ain't right. Yeah, like well, because that was the the standard would, thing like, you would see. Stand in corners and vibrate. And yeah, stuff. or like have them floating in midair and walking. Yeah, but it was pretty like, comical. Yeah, because they weren't actually tethered to the map because somebody put an A in the word tether. Yeah. Another reason why I know it's 2013 because I, I went to PAX Prime 2012 in Seattle and they had they were showcasing the game. They had a multiplayer demo mm -hmm. and they also had a little photo op thing where you got to climb into the, the loader from the movie nice. and take pictures. And I, I still have pictures of that. It's pretty cool. Very nice. And I played the demo. <clears throat> I played the multiplayer demo and it was basically like... Uh, it was like a competitive... It was like a PvP Left for Dead with alien skin, and it was pretty awesome. I, I had a lot of fun. Now, that is nothing like the finished product, basically. And this... I figured we'd jump off here since we were just talking about that, and this is a personal experience of mine that sure. definitely goes into the area of uh, ethics in, uh, <laughs> in in the game industry. Is they People, they basically... There's a long... We're not going to spend a ton of time here, but the the short version is... There was back and forth about like the developer and the publisher and everything with Aliens Colonial Marines and like the state of the actual game and like what it was gonna be like and they were they were acting like it was going to be much better and polished than it actually was. Mm -hmm. And they were they were they were basically showcasing this like snake oil pitch because it's like I went to PAX and played a build of the game and the impression I got was wow, that was fun, I would actually like to buy this game. Yep. And then afterwards, maybe the next few months or so, uh, you know, I'm not your average, you know, I mean, of course, if you're going to a gaming convention, odds are good that you're not just the average Joe Blow who happens to buy a video game once in a yeah. while. But even then, like, 
you know, there's there's degrees of how much people like keep up with news and rumors mm-hmm. and stuff. I heard about all these rumblings, and I'm like, wow, this seems really weird. I'm gonna hold off and see how this plays out. Yeah, and it didn't help that Colonial Marines had a problem that is systemic in uh, that is systemic in the gaming industry, which is trailers and other thing and, and promo material that is marketed as in-game stuff right but ends up being not yeah um by the way penny arcade uh has a has a term that they coined for this which is bullshot the screenshot that is bullshit yeah what and what's really funny is um like for a more for a much more recent example of of the of this look at the promo and trailer stuff for the original Watch Dogs game. Oh, hell yeah. And then look at the release and the lighting effects. Yeah, there's a huge difference. And it actually, interestingly enough, turned out that you could actually get those lighting effects by changing one variable in the in the .ini file. <laughs> because they had just turned that off. But there was still a huge uproar over, you, pro- you know, this is what you showed us. Right. You showed us someone playing the game with this stuff. Right. And then the the finished product you can't get that without fucking around with the .ini file. And it's very it, they, people, developers, marketers, whatever, whoever's involved with showing showing the goods as it were before the game comes out. They have mm-hmm. to be very careful about how they approach these things because you're talking about a lot of these games that have multiple release platforms where you have the PC, you have the Xbox version, you have the PlayStation version, and then in some cases you even have a Nintendo version. I know that's rare and rare these days, but... Well, now that the Switch is out and it's, you know, not a crap system... Right. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved the Wii. It was it was, it was a really good system. Well, you crap in terms of graphics. But yeah, in terms hardware. Of, of hardware, the Wii was an inferior system. Right. Um, the Switch really isn't. Um, which is very cool. Yeah. But, um... Well, it's nice to see Nintendo finally join the 21st century and have actual HD in their games. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous that the Wii came out in 2006. Mm-hmm. It still did not have even 720p HD. I mean, that's just... That's okay because the games were really good. Yeah. I mean... I and know, you know what? When I you don't have not. to render, when you don't have to render stupid graphics... You can you can lock in a really sexy frame rate, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it just that's just something that I've always been behind the times on. So yeah, it's true. It's very yeah, true. That's my 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 aliens colonial marine story. I, yeah, I was all hyped up, and then I I actually uh, held off, and I'm glad I did. I I mean, I was kind of the same way with Fallout seventy six, except I was not hyped. But I was like, I, I was hoping it would be good so that I could maybe buy it. Yeah. But I wasn't going... I Bethesda's fucked up too many launches for me to ever buy anything from them at launch ever. Right. Um, well, that's a category in and of itself, or topic, if you will. It's just <coughs> game launches in general. Uh, um, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that comes with that. Another really great example of over-promising before release? No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. Oh, a spore is another great example of that. Yeah. Oh, and fable. <laughs> oh my. Oh my well, god. Well, Peter Molyneux is a joke in the gaming industry now. Yeah. yeah. Because like, 
essentially the whole the, the, like you cannot uh, you cannot believe anything that Peter Molyneux says. <coughs> yep. You cannot plant an acorn and have it be a tree later in the game. That's pretty bad when it's not just it's not just a company or a brand. It's literally the individual person. And it's like this guy is always full of shit. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to don't him. Don't listen to anything he, this guy says. He might be the project lead, but he will say that you that we right. will that we can do things that are not possible. Yeah. By the way, this game will do your taxes and cure your cancer. Yep. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so. Um, oh, there was uh, there there was actually a piece of geek news that uh, that that uh, we forgot to mention that that ties into a thing that's worth mentioning: unethical business practices, loot boxes. Oh uh, yeah. And how right? And how as of like earlier this week, the FTC has begun official investigation of the practice. Yeah, I know this is something we're going to talk about at length anyway. So why don't we <laughs> kick things off with? Loot boxes and, more broadly, microtransactions, DLC, etc. Yeah, so... <coughs> I don't much like microtransactions, but I accept their existence. Yeah. For the most part. That's just, like, at this point, you're not going to get games that were, like, you're not going to get releases of games like you got on the PS... Uh, before you had the... Uh, internet connectivity, the ubiquity of, of internet connectivity, wherein you yeah. could unlock alternate costumes by, by um, you know, by beating the game on a certain difficulty. No, now you buy the alternate costumes. Yeah. I don't like that, but that's the way of things. Yeah. Where I get mad, and where a lot of people get mad, is when you start predating on psychology and that's where you get the problem with loot boxes yeah because a loot box all it is is a thing that might have another thing in it right it is a, a, a form of gambling because you are buying a thing with the hope of getting a certain thing in it right and unlike um and, and unless you're dealing with someone who is ethically doing uh, loot boxes, because there is a way to at least semi-ethically do loot boxes. Yeah. Like, okay, um, just to back up here, because I'm, I'm going to be a little bit... Um, here is how you can semi-ethically do loot boxes. You have published drop rates. Right. If, if you have odds of getting... A certain thing of one in every like three hundred loot boxes. Keep in mind that's odds. You might not get it in every three hundred loot boxes, but right. it, you should. But you should at least get one in every like four hundred or four hundred to four hundred fifty. Yeah. Because uh, because that's kind of the way statistics work. Um, so if if you have published odds of the drop uh, of the drops from your loot boxes, that is one way you can do things, at least pseudo ethically. Because you can then people know what they're getting into with, uh, you know, with, with their with with their purchase. Yeah, that's why I don't object to booster packs for for collectible trading trading cards like Magic the Gathering. You get, I think it's what it's five commons, four uncommons, and a rare. 
One in every 30 rares is a mythic rare. You have an equal chance of getting uh, you have an equal chance of getting every common in that common pool, every uncommon in that uncommon pool, and every rare and mythic rare in those in those pools. It's a good example of that because that's a thing that a lot of people spend a lot of money on, but they know what they're getting into exactly. Yeah. I have spe- I have spent I have like like if I took the time to actually sit down and work out how much money I'd spent, I've probably spent over fifteen hundred dollars on Magic the Gathering over the course of my 30 years of life. But to be fair, Magic the Gathering has been around since 1996. Yes! <laughs> it's not <laughs> as bad as it sounds, Internet, I assure you. It's been around, it, like, it's been around since I was seven. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's things there. But, um... But, you know, at the same time, I don't feel like I'm getting screwed, especially since a lot of the times I don't even buy packs anymore. I buy off the secondary market, and I buy Singleton. Yeah. Um, but that's beside the point. Yep. That's also actually another problem with loot boxes. They're Since they're entirely digital, digital and they're non-transferable, yeah. you don't get a secondary market. Right. That's why a lot of people uh, that are up in arms about loot boxes don't get up in arms about Team Fortress 2's loot boxes. Yeah. Which they did well before Overwatch popularized the concept. Right. Because, at the very least, you opened up a box and you got this minigun for the heavy that you already had two of. Right. You can sell it. Yeah, yeah. For money. In some... Like, usually not very much money. Or you can trade it to someone... Or you can trade it to someone for... You know, that, that chocolate bar that you haven't gotten for the heavy yet. <laughs> yeah. Because I still haven't ever gotten a Dalakos bar. <laughs> um, I stopped playing TF2 a long time ago, but I never got that. that. That's a good point. Yeah, there's the whole secondary market thing. Yeah. You don't have a secondary market in any of these games anymore. And it's like, I understand, I understand it from the point of view of the company selling the digital goods because it's like, it's kind of like video games themselves... Uh, where, you know, you had these places like GameStop where they're all about, they're a glorified pawn shop. And they're all about making a lot of money by selling used games and offering, you know, peanuts for trade-ins and stuff. And game, you know, <clears throat> as, as more and more people buy online and direct and everything, that business is going away. It's like the new blockbuster. It just doesn't... The market is shrinking and shrinking until it's going to be gone. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because, you know, obviously game developers have a vested interest in selling their stuff directly so they don't have to pay a middleman like GameStop. Yeah, So it's the same concept with this where it's like, why would you sell a thing that could then be sold otherwise as opposed to having everyone buy the thing directly from you? Well, you... Well, there... I mean, there you just don't allow actual sales. You can allow trades. But even yeah. then, um, the main the main problem with loot boxes that I still have yeah. is that they work in a way that interacts with people who have problems with gambling addiction. And I'm not the person saying that. There are psychologists who have said that. Right. <clears throat> well, even just even just gameplay of games themselves are very much 
Yes, there's a lot of there, there's yeah. a lot of that, but loot boxes specifically really like if you're a gambling addict can really just take that part in your head right. and 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 compel you. And that's you know I I that's unfortunate. Yeah, but I feel overall, and, it, and that's not to say you know I don't want to downplay the fact that you know that that is a thing, and that I think that you know developers should be. Um, conscientious of how they approach this and try to be more transparent like you said and all this stuff but at the end of the day addicts are addicts and the internet is the internet therefore people with these personality traits and addictions and problems they will do a thing they will they will play online poker forever they will do a thing perhaps so it doesn't mean that the it doesn't mean that this is some unique case no but the should pro- be treated very differently the, the problem that i mainly have with it is that they're becoming ubiquitous which means now you can't it which means it's a lot harder to to find a you know means of entertainment that doesn't include them yeah and that is wherein i feel one of the main problems lie i guess that's, that's kind of debatable though i would i would agree in so far as it is hard to find a it is or not hard it is harder to find a <clears throat> a new triple-A game that does not have that stuff, but there are a lot more, like, double-A and indie games and stuff. There, if you actually, if you ca- if you look, if you take a broader look at the games that are being offered and stuff, you actually have a lot more options now and a lot more games that traditionally come out because, you know, before, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, like what the GoPro did for movies, some of the tech and internet stuff did for indie developers and mm-hmm. such. So you actually, it's it's counterintuitive because if you just look at the traditional big releases and stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm being inundated in this stuff. But if you look at the broader picture, you actually have a lot more choices now than you did. And I feel like you're already seeing a lot of, uh, you're seeing a lot of um, counterbalance to that where there are a lot of people that grew up with these games, playing these games and stuff that are now designing and working on games. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? No. I don't want this EA loot box crap fest. I want a traditional game. I pay it. I get the game, everything included, and it's a good quality game. And people are rewarding them for that, and they're yes. and they're building good reputations on that. And and I'm hopeful that that that, that is something that will that will proceed. Plus, you do see blowback, like what what happened with Star Wars Battlefront Two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they got so ridiculous about it. They their their reach exceeded their grasp so far that it actually really hurt them. And, and resulted in legislation in the in the country of and, Hungary. And it, has, <laughs> and it has a chilling effect for other developers. Usually chilling effect has a negative connotation, so maybe that's not the best phrasing, but it, it serves as a cautionary tale yes. for other developers to be like, okay, maybe we shouldn't go too ham on this. We should kind of moderate our, our tendencies here. Now, at the end of the day, it is a business. Yeah. But at the same time, gaming, the gaming industry is a lot more than just a business. And we don't want it to become just another business. Like there's there's that, all this well, creativity. And I all feel this. like that's part of the problem. Is that right now the gaming yeah. industry for a for a major port part is being run primarily as just a business. Right. And by the way, that that is the broader theme here. I think with a lot of this stuff is that the gaming industry is a victim of its own success. Yeah. If you look at the numbers, there's been every year you read a story about. Hey, the guys, the game industry, for the longest time, the game industry, it's it's getting bigger, it's getting bigger, it's catching up to the movie industry. Guess what? We're already there. Yeah. It is bigger than the ga- it is bigger than the than the movie industry by far. So, um 
to as a as a point to that, Red Dead Redemption Two had the biggest opening weekend of any form of entertainment ever. Wow. That that is a thing. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it had the best opening weekend sales numbers of anything ever done. Movie I bet, they, I bet or, they feel very vindicated in their choice to keep delaying until they were absolutely, positively sure they were ready to release. Yeah, sure, but then there there was the whole 100-hour <coughs> workweek crunch per period that they had to work with. By the way, crunch is horrible and yeah. evil. Yeah. And, it like, I... I don't think that there's really any argument that you shouldn't be you should not be able to force people to work 100 hour weeks. Yeah, it's just absurd. And also not only is it unethical for the people involved that have to do these things, but when people are that overworked, it's going to result in mistakes yeah. anyway. And there, now, there's actually there thank there God are, they're not like nurses or doctors or something, yeah. but I mean, it's still There's there's been bad. studies indicating that pretty much after you once you exceed about 50 hours of work in a week, yeah. your productivity nose dives. And that's the thing is it is the appearance of efficiency in work. Not the actual result. Yeah, we got people working 100 hours a week. So you got these dumbass... to make sure it's good. You got these dumbass suits and, like, people trying to, like, talk to, you know, I don't know, shareholders, investors, whatever, going, hey, guys, look. Look at how we're, look at how we're whipping these wage slaves. See? This, this is... That means we're really serious about this big project. But it's, you're not actually getting better results. No, you're getting then, worse results. And then the, the, the company's reputation suffers mm-hmm. in the long run, especially now with the constant communication and social media and everything. And that, yeah. that's the thing, too, is that they need the, the game people, any, anybody involved in the game industry needs to understand. And depending on what their job or career is in it, they're going to understand it more or less than others. Mm-hmm. What they need to understand is that they are uh, the average, I don't know, it's, well, yeah, I'll know. I'd say it's it's fair to say the average gamer, game player, video game player, whatever you want to call them, is more discerning than the average customer in general, and especially the average um, uh, video game customer back in the day. I mean, it would just usually when it was in its infancy, people would just show up with a roll of quarters and play whatever's at the arcade or whatever. Like there wasn't a whole lot of like, you know. I'm not sure I agree with that, but. That's the but but really that leads into the question of do you consider yourself an average gamer? Yeah, I guess there's different questions because the, there. because one thing I think that <clears throat> is a problem with people who try to offer punditry on this, which is ironic because that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, is that we have a tendency to even though it is a gigantic industry with a very wide market reach. Yeah, we still have a tendency to underestimate that market and yeah. i think so does the, so so does the industry they tend to think yeah. you know like there's this whole um there's an interesting article i read a while back on like ars technica or something i can't remember exactly where the fact that i am saying there was an interesting article i read on ars technica already makes me an above average gamer right okay. because the average <clears throat> consumer doesn't i should amend that statement it not the average like anyone who picks up a video game mm-hmm. so i Anyone who is actually, like, who has been playing for a while as a fan... Yeah. ...is more discerning. But, yeah, what I was what I was going to lead into was, like, there was this... The article was, like, how there was this argument about how 
I want to say it was like hidden object games. Nobody makes them. Um, oh, totally not true. No, they're really huge and they are really popular. And there's and there's a company that like AAA industry, AAA and big name game developers don't make them. Yeah, they run them off because they think that there is no market for <clears> them, <throat> and they are a gigantic mobile market yep. among mothers. And uh, and and adult women. And you see those you see those budget games in the small cases in the PC section at Walmart mm-hmm. and in stores like that. It's like a hidden object game that's like ten bucks or five bucks. Who's or buying this? Well, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, not my mom. My mom doesn't like video games, but still, it's casual uh, players in general. Yeah, there there the the thing that a lot of industry industry workers and people and a lot of things that, that people that talk about the industry right fail to. Uh, account for is the sheer mass of casual gamers right who make up honestly probably a majority yeah. of game purchases these days yeah i agree with that so well, i mean look at the success of world of warcraft they that's an interesting case because they kind of they both cater to casual and hardcore at the same time which is mm-hmm. a weird tightrope to walk but that was a case where you had a game you had a fan base, mm-hmm. sold really well, but then it became a whole cultural phenomenon. And people that have never played a video game decided to try this thing out, kind of like the Wii, yeah. where you just you got all these, you you expanded the pie instead of just taking up more of the pie. Well, yeah, that was why the Wii was so was so successful too, was because it appealed yeah. to everyone. Ca- it appealed to every like it appealed harder to casual gamers than to hardcore gamers, which is why so many people wrote it off right. for that generation of um, of consoles. Consoles. But Wii Sports was one of the most was one oh, yeah. of the best selling games of all time. And by the way, it totally holds up. It's a really good to game. To this day, I still if it's around, I'll play Wii Bowling or Wii Tennis. I yeah. love that shit. The tennis is amazing. I ever tell you about the time me and my brothers uh, decided to play Wii Tennis blindfolded? <laughs> we did. both of us would wear blindfolds and swing and and, and try and time it based off of sound. <laughs> our That's best, fun. our be- uh, and, and it was a cooperative game at that point. Right. Right. Uh, Just trying to keep the volley. Going. Yes, our 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 best volley was like ten. That's great. Which was really impressive, given the fact that neither of us could see anything. That's funny. <laughs> uh. So uh, let's see. Uh. Um, back on the the topic of loot boxes. Um, one of my one of my because you're talking about kind of how you have your like uh, parameters and preferences about. You know, I accept it, but here's how you should do it. Yeah. And there's also the examples of how not to do it. It really shouldn't be done, I don't think, but if you're going to do it, you should at least do it... Right. Respectfully? That's yeah. not the word, but... I know what you mean. I, I I generally have the same view. It's like, I would prefer it not be a thing. Yeah. But if it is going to be a thing, at least implement it in this, you know a few certain ways. Mm-hmm. What I found was that... Um, I, I saw that Shadows of War was, um, it was, the the game was actually being, like, the <clears throat> the gameplay experience of that Lord of the Rings uh, game, for those who aren't aware, it's basically Assassin's Creed plus Lord of the Rings equals this game. And you control an orc army. Yeah, Shadows of War, they expanded it, and there's, like, more, you know, I don't know, stuff. I'm not going to uh, dissect the whole game here because we don't have time, but anyway, it's big AAA release game, big IP, sold really well and everything, but... There were issues with the game where it was like it was so st- it was steering you so hard into paying for stuff to mm-hmm. like unlock stuff or get boxes or whatever that 
ultimately they scaled it back and then ultimately did away with it just like I mean not just like it wasn't as bad as Battlefront 2 but mm -hmm. a similar situation to Battlefront 2 the, the, actually part of the problem was it was coming out kind of co uh, sim simultaneously with Battlefront 2 yeah so the fact that there were these two <clears throat> giant ga games that were <clears throat> now you got me doing it <laughs> um, two giant games that were that were guaranteed to do well right because Star Wars games have an automatic giant uh, sales base. Right. So do so do uh, Lord, Lord of the Rings games. Yeah. Not to as great a degree as Star Wars games, but still. Yeah. Like they were already guaranteed to to be to go platinum, as it were. Yeah. Um. But we got to get more money out of those people. That that's my yeah. that that has been like. When, we, when, when, when trying to discuss how this is ethics, it's about greed. Yeah. It's about corporate greed. It's about companies saying, well, we're from sales of this game that may, that cost us, you know, $5 million to make, we're only going to make $15 million. We could make another $7 million if we sold extra stuff. And just this obvious disclaimer: these are just numbers. Yes, to I make am. A point. I am making up numbers here, <laughs> but those are. But like five, five to five to ten million dollars is kind of the average budget for a triple A game these days. Um, if I recall correctly, because I did, I did do some research, even I, though I don't have notes. I have no idea. But the the budgets for them are stupid. Well, that's that's part of the problem is budget creep. Yeah, and part of it is just greed. I will mm -hmm. bring you that. People, you know, uh, people look over these numbers and they're like, okay, well, we're probably going to make a good amount of money here, but we want to make an obscene amount of money. Let's milk the loyal customers yeah, until they're not loyal anymore. To, now, to steal a line from Jim Sterling, it, the problem that corporations have is that they're making a lot of money, but they're not making all the money. <laughs> so the, the other aspect of that, though, is just actually just, like, mismanagement mm -hmm. and not really understanding like the long-term business model because they'll 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 get in this arms race of oh we have to we have to have a big splashy thing and mm -hmm. and what happens is that horse testicles have to shrink damn it <laughs> well they they point they uh they they point they paint themselves into a corner where it's like oh hey uh I hear the kids like the cow of duties with the big explosions and all the big stuff and the famous voice actors and all that, da, da, da. And the, what they do is they only make these big games that cost tons of money. And it's like a similar thing to movies where they just take these big gambles on a few movies instead of diversifying and having like smaller films when, when they don't have smaller games and stuff. Mm -hmm. So part of it... That's is, what the indie market's for, man. Yeah, well, part of it isn't... It, part of it isn't that was so, sarcasm, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> part of it isn't so much just uh, sheer greed as it is being like uh, it's I, all your eggs in one basket yeah, territory. Yeah, exactly. It's it's being desperate to recoup money mm -hmm. and to recoup it in time for the quarter to look good for shareholders. So it's like if they would just allow things to breathe a bit and not put all their eggs in like one or two baskets, they wouldn't be in these scenarios where they're desperate to make a lot of money really fast, which then leads to things like loot boxes and mm -hmm. microtransactions. Yeah, well, the, well, really, the thing about loot boxes and microtransactions is trying to make money from people after they've already made money from people. That's the thing. It, th this, go this launches into the thing that you teased earlier, games right. as a service. Right. Because you don't make games <clears throat> as a product for people to buy... 
Right. You make games as a service for people to consume over time and pay you for over time. Let's also not forget the advent of the Season Pass, which is now a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit, I bought the Season Pass for, uh, for Fallout 4, but the only reason I did that was because it was on sale. Yeah. Um, like, they had an initial sale... Uh, window where if you bought the season pass it was like 30 bucks right and after you and after the end of that window it was like 50 bucks yeah by the time I bought it in the last day it was still 30 bucks at which point half of the DLC that it was paying for had already come out and if I was going to buy the DLC piecemeal it was going to cost me more than 30 bucks right and at that point the DLC had also been proven to be good right so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll drop 30 bucks on gambling at the other two things that still that haven't come out yet will right. also be good. And now that, now that, now that, now that that's kind of, uh, that uh, concept has kind of been out in a while in the wild, mm-hmm. then you have more things like that where people can make more informed decisions and look into what content is offered and yeah. catch things on sale. And, and you can get it after the fact where some of the content's dropped and some of it hasn't. Um, yeah, I, that's the thing for me is that, that annoyed me about the season pass was the concept of going, hey, uh, give us a bunch of money up front and hope the content's good. So I wasn't really a big believer in purchasing those things. Now, you know, now that there's now that it's more of a more of a common thing and there's more competition with it and stuff, you know, it's not quite as bad as it was, but when it when it first came out it was it was the horse armor of its day, basically. It was not good. <laughs> Something I think would be really interesting to uh, to do some research on would be uh, to look at to do sort of a deep dive into games that have had season passes and yeah. um, and games that that like pre-sold season passes. And then look at what those season passes actually got you. Right. Because um, I would be willing to bet that there's been at least a few games that have had season passes, but then something happened wherein the game tanked hard enough that nothing actually got released for the season pass. Yeah, that's the other thing. Because the season pass is contingent on the developers being able to continue to support the game. Mm-hmm. And we've established developers uh, often are consumed as expendable resources. Yeah. And what will happen is... You'll have people, um, you know, moderate to very talented people. Um, I mean, I guess all levels, but when it comes to AAA stuff, they're they're at least adequate, or else they wouldn't be doing the thing. They wouldn't be, you know, making the game if it's yeah. a game. So if, if you're making a game, you are skilled in your in, in your field. Yeah, you're at least competent. Yeah. Um, if you're doing it professionally, at least. right? Exactly. If you're doing it as an amateur, maybe. Yeah, um, but my my point is. Uh, there's this thing where, you know, they are consumed. It's like, okay, you put in your 80 to 100 hours of crunch, <clears throat> you put out the product, you put out the project. Good we job. We don't have an immediate thing. Good job. You're fired. Yep. You're all fired. So whenever you have a situation like that where maybe it doesn't sell so well, mm-hmm. and then because of the way the industry works, gobbling these people up, well, guess what? You don't have anybody to actually put out the content that you were promised that you've already paid for. By the way, another quick little uh, footnote to this this is a, a much more recent thing, yeah. Than um, the uh, than the whole season pass thing. What I've seen more and more lately, uh, especially on like services like Steam, mm-hmm. is this whole concept of pre-purchasing something. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my well, entire pre-order life. culture has been a thing for years. Sure, but a pre-order was 
hey, I'm at GameStop. Hey, Mike, there's this cool game coming out in a couple months. Oh, yeah, I do actually really want that game. Well, you want to put down like five bucks? Sure, what the hell? I can always get it back if I need to. What they're asking you to do is literally pay the entire price of the game. Yep. Buy the game for no particular reason. They already have your money, and you have nothing. Well, Steam, Steam Early Access, you get something. <clears throat> there are specific cases mm -hmm. where they may be like, hey, if you quote-unquote pre-purchase... You'll you'll get a thing or whatever. Well, if you're if you're looking on Steam specifically, yeah, if it's a pre-purchase, that is a game with a slated release date right. already. If you're looking at Steam early access, that means there is something that you can play right now. Right. No, I'm even just though it may about, be unfinished. I'm not talking about early access at all. I'm talking about just strictly quote unquote pre-purchasing games. Well, I mean that's kind of what you do with Kickstarter, <clears throat> and by kind of I mean that's exactly what you do with Kickstarter. Well, that's, again, <clears throat> that's very different, because with that, you're going into it going, I know, looking for I know that, 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 that I'm an investor, investors. I yeah. know there are risks, I know, you know blah, 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 mm -hmm. I know what I'm getting into, and I'm still choosing to do a thing to help it even exist in the first place. Speaking of Kickstarters, by the way, my Kickstarter copy of Fireball Island <laughs> arrived! Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty glorious, so I have it, to check it out. It is excellent, I've played it here, at this point it is... Uh, it's, it's not quite, like, if you, if you remember playing the old, the old version of Fireball Island, it's not the same exactly, but it is still fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> we'll have to do an episode one of these days about, like, board games we grew up with, you know? Oh, I get to talk about Rail Baron, <laughs> which no one has ever heard of. Nope, not I me. Because anyway. like, it was a game that was published in the 80s <clears throat> and has not been published since. And I'll get to talk about Spider Wars. Never played that very or heard of game. it. Oh, it's fantastic. Sounds good. Just a little tease. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and Ben can talk about Pong. No. <laughs> such a cliche. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, with, with there's so many things to cover here. Yeah. Um, we're just going to kind of ski from one thing to another in a stream of consciousness. We've got, we've got about 30 minutes left. So. Okay. Because that's the thing is every time there's a new thing we bring up, it then leads like, to... Oh, and don't let's not forget about this yeah, thing. Yeah, that brings up three other things, because yeah. every, everything you talk about inevitably is connected to something else. Like, we're talking about things like season passes, and then it's like, oh, hey, well, that reminds me of pre-purchases. Yeah. Oh, well, that leads to Kickstarter, and there's all these things. You know, yeah. crowdfunding, I guess, in general would be... A, I mean, that's an episode in and of itself, no doubt, but... We could do an episode on, on Kickstarter. What would be really great would be if we put together... If we launched a Kickstarter... To have us release that episode. That would be so meta. Yeah. <laughs> this, is a kick, this is a GoFundMe for, yeah. for the podcast episode on, on, uh, on crowdfunding. As if we reach $5, we'll release it. Like stretch goals. There'll be another 10 minutes of the episode. There'll be an additional spoiler of the week. Oh, God damn. I'm going to do this now. <laughs> Neil, will have, Neil will have two drinks that episode. <laughs> what is Neil drinking? No, no, no. It's like, you'll be drinking a beverage. But if we get enough funding and we hit the stretch goal, it'll be an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> because I definitely need an excuse to drink these still these days. Hey, as long as we start recording past noon, you're reputable. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's rife with uh, rife with opportunity to poke fun at. By the way, if anybody's a South Park fan, they haven't already seen the episode, or if they just want to see uh, crowdfunding stuff getting made fun of. I highly recommend the episode of South Park, Go Fund Yourself. It's very good. Sounds fun. I, I am very much actually hits, try, starting to think of how I can set, put together a go, the GoFundMe. 
because yeah, it would great. be stupid and it's it's the it's the exact sort of stupid thing <laughs> that people are likely to fund yeah. too. Like the guy who went made a GoFundMe for potato salad. Well, that's to say nothing of the uh, in the news recently. There's the big story about the uh, homeless guy that conspired with those shady people to get a bunch of money. And there's a fake story. Did you hear about this? Yeah, the fake I know. story about oh she gave he gave me his last twenty dollars. By the way, what's a homeless person doing with a crisp twenty in their pocket? That's what I want to know. Anyway, as an aside, the TLDR is crowdfunding, crowdfunding is weird. Crowdfunding is often ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, that's a whole episode, no doubt. Uh, uh, let me just go down the line here. I got plenty of things that I have notes on. Oh, here's a, here's an interesting one. That is, it's different enough. I feel we should cover it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's also a thing that could easily be an episode in and of itself. <laughs> um, ESRB ratings and parental controls. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the ESRB is a funny. Is a the inception of the ESRB is a funny brief story, which is. Um, it's the gaming industry saying, no, no, we'll, we'll police ourselves. Right. And it's worked pretty well, I think. Yeah, it's better than the, than the NPAA, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, by the way, quick aside on that, um, which also, funny enough, is a, a dovetail from South Park. Uh, I saw Trey Parker and Matt Stone in an interview talking about how when they went through the process to do the South Park movie and they had to do all the interfacing with MPAA and everything, mm-hmm. they would do a thing and MPAA would be like, no, you, you, can't, can't, do do, you can't do that so thing. So they did something worse. So they would do something even worse and then it would get in. Yep. And they were like, so it went so far that that was actually part of the plot of the whole movie was how ridiculous the MPAA was. Uh, their troll foo was strong. Yep. But yeah, I thought that was a fun anecdote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> should watch the... Uh... Watch the Adam Ruins Everything episode on, on Adam Ruins, uh, I can't if it's television or movies or, I think it's Adam Ruins Hollywood. Well, that's, I feel that's a bit of a misnomer because Hollywood is a cesspool. There's, <laughs> it's already. Well, every episode of Adam Ruins Everything is Adam Ruins something. Oh, no, I something. know. I, I've seen many of the, of the episodes. Uh, I, and that episode's on Netflix. I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I think that, I think it's. Not as good as it used to be. I don't really keep up with it anymore. But yeah, there were several episodes that were solid and interesting, and uh, but yeah, I just that ruins the internet. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think <clears throat> that was. Uh, I, I think that that kind of um, the SRB. I mean that that kind of. It, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling for words here. I guess the TLDR for me is just that I'm glad that. Um, that uh, the SRB came about and persists, and that mm-hmm. it's not it's not some government bureaucrats trying to figure this out. Yeah, that that uh, leads into a thing that I mentioned before we started recording, which is I one of the th- one of the big things I have with so many problems is that there are ways you can do things right, um, especially on the greed side of things. There are ways that you can try to make more money out of your games in a way that isn't despicable. However, those ways are kind of hard, or at least not as obvious. Right. And they don't make quite as much money, so why should we do them? And then you le- and then that leads you into things like the FTC in- investigating loot boxes. Right. And here's the thing. As has been evidenced by the small numbers of times that this episode, that this that this podcast podcast has gotten political, 
I am a somewhat liberal-minded person, which is an understatement. But I don't think that the government should come within 10 feet of the gaming industry because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to uh, stray too far into the political realm here, but yeah. there's often there's often a exaggeration or misrepresentation or revisionist history about, oh, it's always just the conservatives and Republicans that are wanting to, like, get involved with, like, you know, violent and sexual content and censorship and all this, but it's like, yeah. no, actually, there's a lot of people on the left yeah. that were doing this and are doing this, mm -hmm. and a lot of the people that led the charge with that stuff, and not just video games, mind you, uh, the the explicit, remember the explicit labels that they started to put on, like, music and stuff? Mm -hmm. It was like Tipper Gore and Joe Lieberman and people like yep. that. It spans the spectrum. When it yes. comes to ignorance and wanting to, hey, somebody ought to do something... Yeah. That knows no political. Well, no, won't somebody think of the children? Is yes. a, is a Please very won't much someone think of the is, children. Is very much a uh, a universal political constant. Right. You are correct there. And no matter how many times they try to, <laughs> no one ever actually properly thinks of the children. Well, well, what what's basically <laughs> happened here is that we now are in an, in the in the following generation where all the people that were like being told that video games were ruining everyone are now the people that are adults and are in these jobs people that are in political office or leaders of businesses or mm -hmm. like whatever like those same people are now the people running shit and they just go wait a minute i grew up with games i play games i'm not crazy this is all stupid and i'm gonna ignore it <laughs> yeah you know it's just like it's the passing of the torch basically so you don't see i, I much i'm of that looking anymore. forward to when i'm like 60 or 70 and the next generate and I and the next generation I start complaining about them just to be you know yeah. those darn kids and how they I don't know did something that I think is stupid. Well, there's a, there's another man. I don't know, I don't know why I'm shelling for, shilling for South Park so much today, but <laughs> I guess it's because it's kind of like The Simpsons at this point where they the sheer breadth of their work. There's generally an episode for that. And and unlike The Simpsons, it's still funny. Yes, it's actually still good. Um, Burn, I know, but come on. The Simpsons hasn't been funny for like three seasons, at least. Well, I would argue more than ten, but anyway, I stopped I'm, watching. I'm being nice. <laughs> uh, the there's a, they did an episode about how um, about like uh, like Twitch and streaming gaming, streaming gaming and stuff like that, and like how the older siblings amongst the kids were like the old men, and like the younger siblings who just watched people play games and stuff. They're like. Kyle was all upset. He was like, oh, it's so ridiculous. Like, just actually play a game. Don't watch. And it became this thing where they realized that they were acting like old men and women. <laughs> they were acting like their parents. And like, my God, we've become the old people. You know? <laughs> and it's weird because it's like, on one hand, I agree with them. I think it's dumb. I mean, I do watch some stuff, but I don't like just... I don't just go crazy and watch hours of it, you know? The like, only Twitch stream I regularly watch is Games Done Quick Streams. Mm -hmm. But that's because that is people perform playing games at a level that I cannot reach. Right. It's watching people just like it's it's watch it's watching someone beat the original Super Mario Brothers in four minutes and fifty seven seconds. Yeah, it's like watching a pro professionals athlete yes. do a thing that you could never do. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. <clears throat> yeah. I, the, my best run for Super Mar for the original Super Mario Brothers is like nine minutes, which is still not horrible but it's like twice as long as the slowest person on the leaderboards 
That's a, huh, that's that was a fun little rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of these topics we'll, we'll just kind of, you know, yeah. kick the can down the road and explore more later. Because mm-hmm. obviously there's plenty of stuff to talk about talk about when it comes to, like, DLC microtransactions yeah. and whatnot. Um, another thing that's worth mentioning, and we should we should focus on some of the more positive things, too, because I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of it's just been negative Nancy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you talked about how there's other ways to like get more revenue and garner loyalty and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember a great example of this was Epic Games would have these big free updates to games like Unreal Tournament and stuff. Yeah. They'd just be like, hey guys, here's a new big content update. Enjoy it. It's free. Just mm-hmm. do it. And in the short term, okay, maybe you're not making a bunch of money, but what would happen is people there's good word of mouth and yeah. more people would buy the game and more people would talk about the game and then the next time they had a major release they had all this built-in goodwill yep. and people would just immediately buy the game without even thinking about it. Yep. They wouldn't be like, "Oh, well, let me check the reviews and do this." They would just be like, "Holy crap, I'm going to buy this. I, I'm going to support this developer." That used to be a thing that that used to be a thing that you would say about Blizzard. Right, right. Blizzard used to be a name <clears throat> of a company that could do nearly no wrong. Yeah, yeah. They were a very different company back then. Then they merged with Activision. Yeah. I mean, they still put out good games. Yeah. I still enjoy them. But they can very much do wrong now. Oh, yes, absolutely. And a lot of it is just the crap writing that has started happening. I mean, I'm not going to digress too much, because that's not the topic, but the TLDR TLDR, uh, meme version of this is on the internet when people are talking about current Blizzard writing. They will be like, yes, Things were fine until corruption. And that basically sums up every single game. Things were fine until corruption. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, everything. It's just, yeah. there's a thing, and then corruption. <laughs> it's basically the same storyline in all of the games. And they're living it out right now. But um, but yeah, there's, there's good things, there's positive things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of charity stuff that you see. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of developers are being... Now, granted, part of the cynic in me acknowledges, uh, correctly, I think, to some extent it is just, hey, this makes us look good and this gets our name out. But especially with smaller developers, um, a lot of it is just honestly people just wanting to do good and enjoy have fun in the process. You see yeah. things like... Uh, you know, humble, bu- humble, you know, humble sales bundle, charity streams, mm-hmm. um, just you know, all that stuff. Um, both actual raising of funds and awareness, getting the word out. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, the biggest gaming convention, PAX, uh, Arcade, giant amounts of money P- for Penny, child's Penny Arcade has done child's play for yeah. a very long time now. I think it was like two thousand four or so when it started. And uh, yeah, they do a lot of great work. And and admittedly, it's a charity that they also run. But it's a well-run charity too, right? And that was before they—that was before all that stuff really blew up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say you know, obviously that was a big part of it too. Is you know, if you're going to uh, if you're going to do work for a promoted charity, the obvious ethical thing there is make sure it's actually a good, efficient charity, mm-hmm. and make sure you're doing it in a transparent way. And yeah. Also, by the way, don't get yourself uh, don't don't compromise your health. In like one of these marathon things, to use common sense, people will do these like crazy twenty-four hour like stream, and whether it's just a thing to do or it's a charity thing, mm-hmm. sometimes people feel like they have to do this insane thing because it's charity. And it's like, guys, like, I mean, come on. Games done quick raises money for charity, uh, for specifically the Prevent Cancer Foundation and Doctors Without Borders. Yeah. Um, and then they did a thing recently where they were at TwitchCon and they did a mini Games Done Quick marathon, which they raised money for whatever. Charities TwitchCon was was raising money for. Yeah. Because every con raises money for charity. 
pretty much. Um, now, GDQ is a week-long, is, is literally a week-long stream. It, it starts on a Sunday, it ends on a Sunday, and it, and it streams for the entire time. But, it's also run by a staff of about 120 people, and has about three or four hundred streamers, so not, it's not like everybody is doing everything. Like, it's not like there's <clears throat> one person doing everything. Yeah. A lot of people would be like, oh, they, like, want to, to go down the tangent of, of charities and how people are like, oh, I can't give money to, I don't know, this charity, because the CEO of that charity makes a lot of money. Well, okay, the CEO of that charity also works very hard. Right. And, oh, they have a staff of, like, 3,000 like 3, people, and they have to all get paid. And, like, well, yes, but that's because they raised, like, tens of millions of dollars. Right. And their efficiency of how much of that money goes into their charity is still, like, 85 to 90%. That's what it all boils down to, uh, is... It should, don't worry about how much the CEO gets paid generally or how many employees it is. Yeah. Worry about how many cents on the dollar actually go to the cause. Yes. If that is very high, then good. Yeah. Don't worry about all this details. If it isn't, then maybe you should worry about yeah. Like, if it's like... Like, if it's Bono's scam charity, the One Foundation, where literally less than 1% of the funds actually made it to the charitable cause. I was going to say Susan G. Komen for breast cancer. Five five cents on the dollar. Last I checked. That's the, the which the, is really bad. The Bono thing's the worst I've ever seen. Less than one percent. I hadn't heard about that one, so I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, but. it's pretty bad. But yeah, that's the anyways. That that's the a that's a digression. Dying, but. but yeah, that that's a thing. If you're gonna do, yeah. donate to a charity, do uh, your research on charity. Charitywatch.org is a great site to yeah. look into that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, also <laughs> related to streaming um, is of course you know just. And I guess broader stuff as far as, like, game journalism and stuff is uh, people actually fully disclosing their involvements and advertisements and sponsorships and stuff. Which, you're, which you are legally obligated to do thank, thanks to the FTC. Like, if, if you are, like, remember the, uh, the, CSGO loot box, the CSGO gambling debacle that came back a while back? Vaguely. Uh, well, there was this whole thing where there were a couple of YouTube personalities that were... Posting videos of them winning big in this oh, okay. CSGO uh, gambling lot. <clears throat> right. What they did not disclose was that they owned the website. <laughs> wow. Which is very, very, yeah. very illegal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's no bueno. That's not good. <sighs> so, like, if you... You always want to make sure that if that, you know... For for if you're if you are creating anything, if you're shilling for something, you have to actually disclose that you are shilling for something. Right, and I think that that's why frequently if I say something positive about something, yeah. I will say, by the way, I am not sponsored by them. Hey, hey, that company hit me up. Right. <laughs> yeah, I feel that in general, as long as people know the the connections up front, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Um, you have a lot of different, you know websites and resources and people and personalities and all this stuff to kind of uh, peruse and, you know, as long as you know what you're getting into, uh, it's not it's not, it's not not that big of a deal to me. I mean, you know, shot, uh, you know, it's, spoiler alert, it's like people actually get paid to 
do things and review things and actually get like promotional copies of things you know it's like yeah yep. this is not a shocking revelation yeah uh, but the, the transparency you is believe that the re reviewers didn't have to pay for their copy of that game can you believe that if they didn't have to that that you know and that they got it early well can you believe that if they didn't get it early and they wouldn't have to pay for the it? game they yeah. wouldn't have been able to review it yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, some people just now know, there some, are now there are a few play, few guys out, out on the internet whose reviews I watch who like there's this guy who suddenly I can't think of his name um, but he will he he says so full disclosure I did in fact get a, pre a release copy a pre-release copy of the game I also however purchased the game for myself yeah and I'm giving away a copy yep even the, what's really fun is when he. Is giving away a copy of a game that he has rated as you shouldn't re you really shouldn't buy this game because <laughs> yeah. whatever game he reviews he always buys a copy for himself right and gives away a copy to one of his patrons on Patreon which is funny because technically they wouldn't be buying the game per se they would be no. winning the game no but it's like yeah well I guess if you really want to see how bad this game is you can support me on Patreon one of my lucky patrons will get a copy of this game. <laughs> Or unlucky, depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> uh, another another thing about um, you know talking about providing value and you know uh, how to you know ethically do that um, is just uh, expansions of games, just actually making them worthwhile, making them have enough content or value there to be worth the price. Mm -hmm. And uh, I that's kind of that that has kind of ebbed and flowed in my experience. I remember early on uh, in my, I don't know, gaming career, I don't know what you call it, <laughs> uh, in early, earlier in my life uh, when I was playing games like uh, Warcraft, the Warcraft 2 expansion or something like that. I mean, that's like 94. That's a while ago. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, that was when Blizzard could do no wrong, basically. Yeah. Uh, but So that's a good example. Most of the expansions I saw were good quality, chunky things that were worth the, like, 20 25 bucks or whatever now over time the cost tended to creep up uh, yeah and well, sometimes production creep is a problem in the industry in general yeah sometimes they <clears throat> sometimes they there wouldn't be enough meat there but generally speaking uh if it was a full official expansion for a game it was worth the money if you enjoyed the core game yeah now there were some exceptions and i hate to say it but command and conquer is actually one of these exceptions um yeah. they put out some cheap ass expansions for Red Alert, they were just like, hey, here's a bunch of generic missions, and there's almost no context, and there's yeah. no there's no FMV, it's just text on the, the screen. mission pack uh, Command & Conquer expansions were pretty bad. Yeah. But then Red Alert 2 Yuri's Revenge was really good. Yeah, I would say there was, a, there was uh, like, the first generation of Command & Conquer games had some shitty expansions, and then the second generation, they got good. That was partially, however, because... Westwood was a pretty new company and didn't really quite know what they were doing. Like, they, they didn't expect it, yeah. to be as popular as they Some were. Some of it was trial and error. I will yeah. grant you that. But the expansions got a lot better for the most part. And I still maintain to this day the best expansion to any game in existence, probably, mm -hmm. is Command & Conquer General Zero Hour. Holy crap. That was like a completely new game. Mm -hmm. Like... They had a whole other mode of play, like nine generals. You had all these missions. You had all these new units and everything. They, just, they threw the friggin' kitchen sink at you. You got so much stuff out of that expansion. Indeed. And it was so good. It was kind of like, 
Diablo, the Diablo 2 expansion in the sense where you go back and you go, man, I can't imagine playing that game without the expansion after the fact, you know? Or StarCraft Brood War, for that matter. Oh, man. It's hard to imagine Lord. vanilla StarCraft after Brood War. Indeed. Such a good expansion. Anyway, so yeah, quality expansions, you know. Um, now, of course, you know, we you had a similar trajectory there where when you started coming up with DLC where they're not like full-on expansions per se, but they're kind of like mini-expansions... And people are kind of testing the waters with that stuff and experimenting and stuff. And frankly, seeing what they can get away with in some cases. Um, then, you know, you had some stuff that it was worth it and some stuff that wasn't. Some stuff the price just wasn't matched up right. And I hate, <clears throat> I hate to say it, but uh, Activision Blizzard, as it were, is, uh, is guilty of this with $15 for the friggin' Necromancer downloadable content. I mean, really, guys? Really? Hey, you got a little sprinkle of content in a class. That'll be $15, please. Yeah. Uh, no, fuck off with that bullshit. Yeah, no, that's... I love Diablo 3, but I did not pay for that. That was like five bucks. Mm -hmm. That was not a $15 release. Come on, guys. I don't know. A class, I feel like that could be 10 bucks. Maybe. I would accept 10, but 15 is just straight up greedy. Yeah, $15, especially if really the main thing you're getting is a class. Right, right. If they, I mean, 15 would be fine if there was more content there. See, yeah. I'm easy to please. Give me more content or lower the price. It doesn't have to be one or the yeah. other. I will accept either. <laughs> $15 sounds pretty greedy for a class and what, three missions, you said? I, I'm not sure how much the content was, but I... I it wasn't noticeable. I remember skimming it, and it was so small that I didn't even consider buying it. Because, I, I mean, I wasn't a huge, like... I didn't have anything against the Necromancer class, but I wasn't, like, a huge fan. I didn't have to have it. There are a lot of people that loved that class and just bought it, and, hey, great, more power to you. If you feel you got your money's worth, I yeah, hope you did. Yeah, but that was a lot of preying on nostalgia, <coughs> which yeah, is well, an unethical thing you can do. That's a whole other... Because we haven't talked about ethics in, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> speaking of speaking of preying on nostalgia, how about that PlayStation Classic? Oh, my God. That's it's such a... It, it's even more expensive and has... Crappier selection yeah, the, of games. The selection of games is not doesn't make it worth it at all. Yeah. Don't like. For what? Like, especially since like the NES and SNES classics, they fixed their production line issues and they're no longer like stupid rare and hard to buy. Right. And. You know those have. Amazingly solidly good games. Well, and the thing about it too is. Excuse and me. the NES Classic, I mean, the NES Classic even has Balloon Fight. Well, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be... Uh... Balloon Fight, Michael! <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be uh, chastising them so much if it weren't for the fact they're wanting, like, what, a hundred bucks for this? It's retailing for 99 Yeah, something. If this was still 50 bucks, I'd be like, okay, it's not the greatest selection of games, but it's a whole new... It's a, it's a whole other generation more advanced, and you've got at least some classics in there. If you want to get it, get it. If you don't, you don't. But $99, come on. Essentially, guys. you're paying $100 for a game that runs Metal Gear Solid, for a system that runs Metal Gear Solid, plus a couple other games you probably won't play. Well, Final Fantasy VII is in there. Oh, okay. God only knows if that, re if that remake is ever going to actually happen. <sighs> I'm, I'm sorry. I cannot get hyped for... Final Fantasy VII was okay. It's a very overrated game. I, I really don't care about the remake. It could be cool if it is great, but I, I have not been anticipating that at all. Now, I, I don't think it was just okay. I think it was a solid... I think it was a 
pretty good game in the, in the series. But what happened there is that was the that was a that was a like watershed moment for the series where a lot of people experienced it for the first time. Yeah, I way. understand why it was popular, but I think yeah. it 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 it. it my problem was I approached Final Fantasy in chronological order. <laughs> so, like, I had been. Like, there's a reason we, we kind of stopped doing the Final Fantasy retrospective. We'll get, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it eventually once everyone else has played Final Fantasy VI. But, um. I played them in order. I played one, two, didn't play three because I couldn't find a copy of it. I played four, five, and six. And then I played seven. I was like, okay. This feels like a step down from I I, I am I am fully acknowledging my absolute bias. I do really think Final Fantasy VI is the best game. Oh yeah, me too, by far. Um, I love it because it was released very late in the SNES's life cycle. Um, so they like they squeezed everything they could out of that system, and it was a really good story. Oh yeah, Final Fantasy VII is a step down from that game because it's... The graphics are blocky. And I don't try to be, tend to be a graphics snob, but... Yeah. But <clears throat> blocky polygonal graphics versus really high-quality sprites... Oh, yeah, sprites. I have... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I can't... And... I don't know. Sorry, I'm going off on a big yes, rant here. I apologize. Save, save it for the Final Fantasy VI episode. <laughs> Just Final Fantasy VII isn't as good as Final Fantasy VI, and everyone thinks it's the best game ever, and I'm like, fuck them! I, I, I don't know about that. A lot of people do. I see a lot of people that shill hard for, like, Final Fantasy IX. I actually never played IX, so I, I have no opinion yet. But yeah, anyway. Um, opinions. Um, what else we got here? Uh, oh yeah, there's... Uh, of course, we touched on this a little bit with some of the things we talked about. Um, how alphas, betas, and releases are handled with, like, you know, how buggy they are and the state of games upon release and stuff. Yeah. Um, it does bug me, <laughs> no pun intended here, honestly, um, when they know there's all these problems, and they're just like, eh, we're just going to throw that shit out the door, and you got to download a giant patch and go fuck yourself. Hello, Bethesda! Because <laughs> back in the day, when internet wasn't as high-speed and awesome as it is these mm -hmm. days, that was a real problem for some yeah. people. And also, uh, another thing, this, this bugs me about the Always Online stuff, too, with, like, Diablo we 3. We barely even touched on Always Online. Yeah. Um, Diablo 3, uh, that have that issue, is all the, all the people that are, like, in the military and stuff, and live yeah. in rural areas, and, you know, guess what? They play games, too, you know? Yeah. Especially feel for the active-duty military people that, it's like, oh, hey, you have hey, to always be online. That well, was a big thing with the Xbox, with the X-Bone. Yes, uh, yes. Initially, until they finally removed that particular right uh, gate because they're because. All right, let's roll up our sleeves and talk about this because it's happening. Yeah. Um, this is a big problem about not just the fact that they were like, okay, we're gonna do this. It was the fact that they were straight up lying about the technical stuff. They were there were people going like on the on the Xbox teams at least on the like social media teams and stuff that were like. Oh no! It's a package deal. Like it has, it has to work this way. We designed it this way. It can't function otherwise. Or like the connect has to be always like. They to were be fair, they were lying about a lot of this. To be stuff. fair, the people on the, the part of the problem there 
was that the people on the social media teams were not developers. Right. All they were were social media people, and they were given a line that they had to that they had to spout, but they had no technical expertise to be able to actually back it. Right. Because anyone who's done any sort of like <clears throat> even I like I know that's bullshit because I've done a small amount of coding. All you have to do is remove the line of code that makes it check the servers every week. Yeah. All you have to do. <laughs> yeah, it became a whole became a whole fiasco. Yeah. And All, always online is a problem. Unless you're dealing with this unless you're playing a game that requires internet connectivity because that's how it delivers its content. Yeah. You must you absolutely must or really should have an offline option. I mean, people are all, people like to sometimes bag on Steam because you have to be online. But no, you don't. It has an offline mode. It has an offline mode. Yeah. Not everyone realizes it's there, but you can play every game you own on Steam offline, as long as you do, as long as the game itself doesn't have some sort of online check. Right. Which not all, which very few games have. Luckily. Yeah, I mean, I think Steam has handled most of those issues pretty well. Um, I mean, there have been obviously, you know. It's had its issues over the years, but I mean that's what happens when you're the number one. It has many issues now, which is, it's a horrible cesspool of shovelware and well shit. I mean, but, here's the way I look at that: if I go into a, if I go into like a Walmart or something, and I I I have like if I were to go to the the uh, the electronic section, and I, I have all these great games that I could buy if I want to for all the systems and whatever, and PC, and and then there's there's a section that has all the shovelware. Okay, I don't care. The I still I still get the thing I want. It you're isn't. you're not wrong about that. The problem is the way the Steam storefront is de is designed right now. The sh the shovelware can take can can hide the 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 things that don't have a marketing budget. Yeah. It well, used to be that you could get on Steam as an indie... Like, if you could get your... If you were an indie developer, if you could get on Steam, then you were set because you had a good audience because people would find your game right. because being on Steam was a mark of quality. Yeah, those issues are really more yeah. on the... That's more the on The developer Steam's, side. Yeah, I think it's more on Steam's end than anything well, else. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is it's not an issue for the consumer as much as it is the person yeah. trying to get You're their right. games. That is, a problem for the, that is a problem for developers. That's right. true. Now, that's still relevant because we're talking about ethics in general, but... Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just approaching it from a consumer standpoint. Now, sometimes it is an issue in the sense that you know, uh, crap is pushed and you don't get to find games that are actually decent because there's so much crap bloating the storefront, as it were. But I don't. I, it's kind of a moot point for me because again, you and me, we are people that have vested interest and actually seek out information. Yeah, we're not just a casual person who clicks on the thing and looks at the things. You yes. Know? Uh, by the way, if, if people were to take a drink every time we said thing, <laughs> they would be in trouble. You are so dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they would be at the hospital. Anyway, um, yeah, that, that's an interesting thing, too, is there's so much ground to cover here. I'm sure we'll, we'll approach things from other aspects, too. We're probably going to have to do a part two of this episode, because we've got, like, six minutes left. Well, that was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. We're just kind of doing an overview and kind of, you know, coming up, kind of dis uh, discovering kind of things that interest us about it. We could do an episode on DLC. We could do an episode on... Most of these bullet yeah. points, we could do an entire episode on. And, hey, you know, that's 
fodder for the for the episode list. Yeah, and that's all well and good. And and then you know also hopefully we'll have uh, Ben present to join in. And yeah, we don't want to cover everything anyway because then Ben doesn't get to weigh in. It's true, and it's only fair considering we've been bagging on Fallout seventy six. I I'm really curious to see if he's played the game and what he thinks about it. Yeah, I'm curious to to see his take on that. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, my friend Jared just shared a thing in a Discord that I'm uh, that I'm part of. Frosty the Snowman is probably a lich. Oh, that should be interesting. And the hat is his phylactery. <laughs> I'm sure there's some solid reasoning there. <laughs> Got published in Kotaku. Well, let me uh, let me just uh, touch on a few things here, just to make sure we at least mention them, mm-hmm. so people know what we may cover in other episodes. Yes. Um, we uh, we we touched we touched on some of uh, some basic stuff as far as like employment practices, crunch time, and stuff like that. Uh, let's see DLC and microtransactions, uh, expansions, updates. Oh, another thing that's in that realm is uh, uh, supporting games. As far as like uh, how long do you have the servers run before you shut them down and stuff like that? There have been some cases where companies have been. Uh, very fair about letting things go on as long as there's a you know uh, at least a somewhat substantial player base and then there have been it's generally all EA games uh, cases where they're like oh hey we're gonna shut down these servers like pretty damn quickly because we don't want to have people playing a version of Madden that's like three years old we want them to buy the new version you know <laughs> and that pisses it's almost me like off. EA is run is a scumbag company yeah it's almost as if they have been you know doing shady crap for years and years and taking advantage of both their employees and their customers at every available opportunity. It, it's funny it's a sh- thing about that. It's a shame because when, when the company was actually relatively new and it was more, it was like, it was, uh, it was actually electronic arts was actually like the name you would see more, not just EA. It was actually all right. It was kind of like Blizzard where it's like, it has went down the path. <laughs> I don't want to compare Blizzard to EA. That's a little unfair. Uh, there, there are some issues with Activision Blizzard or whatever you want to call it, but um, yeah, it's yeah. not EA territory. Um, let's see what else. <clears throat> uh, we've talked about Bullshot, and uh, oh, this is another thing I wanted to t- touch on. Um, just how how companies decide to market or advertise their game, and uh, there have been some pretty interesting snafus in the past. One of those legendary things was John Romero is about to make you his bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good for a laugh. Oh, a lot of, yeah, a lot of younger listeners aren't going to understand that. The, 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 uh... <laughs> I know, isn't it great? I'm sorry. Isn't it great that that exists? For those not in the know, John Romero is a famous game developer who's responsible for games like... He made Doom. Doom, Doom and Quake, I think. Too. Um... I or is believe, it just ID? I don't know. Well, id software. Like he he founded id software with right. him and uh, other guy who's also famous that I can't think of suddenly. Yeah. Well, in the nineties, there is a game that they're developing called Daikatana. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was a classic case of a thing that was hyped up and hyped up and hyped up and then turned out to be kind of crappy and nobody really cared about it. 
But there's this weird marketing campaign that was saying like aggressive things. Yeah. And one of those chief among those was John Romero is about to make you his bitch. And it was like these were it like ran as a full page. It was page, like a full page a ad. A full page ad in electronic gaming monthly. Yeah, game most game back when gaming magazine physical gaming magazines yeah. were a lot more prominent. Things like GamePro and uh, uh, EGM and stuff like that. Uh, I think Next Generation was one of those. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> to borrow some of the parlance of the day, pro tip, don't do that. <laughs> it was such a fucking clusterfuck. There have been, there have been oh, yeah. some amusing debacles like that over the years. Um, obviously, people like Peter Molyneux just hyping up their stuff and making empty promises. Yeah. There is this weird case where... There were ads, I think it was just in Europe, but there were these ads where, uh, you know, the PSP, the Sony PSP mobile gaming mm -hmm. thing, whatever you want to call it, platform, I guess, it has went through various iterations over the years. Yeah. And uh, it, the the core model of it, uh, there have been different, like, colors and finishes and stuff. The core model was just a standard black device that looks very much like, a you know, any other mobile gaming cell phone or whatever. They decided to come out with a white version of it. And, you know, it's just a different color. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, hey, N64 controllers come in all the colors of the rainbow. Like, it wasn't mm -hmm. a big deal. It was just a different look, right? But it's one of those things where they wanted to hype it and get people, you know, they wanted to, you know, get as many sales out of it as they could. They had this weird ad campaign where they had... There it is. Was it they, had, uh, they had people representing... It was very weird because it's like... It was this esoteric thing where it's like a person was representing an object. So you had people, one dressed in white, one dressed in black, kind of like a spy or spy thing, right? Where they were like, you know, jockeying for position and it was like a kitschy thing. Well, they thought it would be a good idea to have a black woman in a black outfit and a white woman in a white outfit like fighting one another on a big billboard and the white woman is clutching the black woman by the throat and in big letters white is coming not a great plan you're not, reminding me of, of another a really plan. fun uh marketing debacle for pa <laughs> uh do you remember the fake the dante's inferno protesters oh no i i don't Okay, so there was a there was an okay game called Dante's Inferno. Right. That was a God of War clone. Came right. out on the PS3. Yeah, I know it. EA uh, developed and published this game. <laughs> and here was their brilliant marketing. Here was their brilliant marketing strategy. Hire people to protest the game outside of their headquarters. To act as like far right Christian fundamentalists, right? Because there is like one of the like Dante's Inferno is is a is kind of a crap game just because it's not all that good. Yeah. But like one of the bosses you fight is like an amalgamation of aborted fetuses. That's disgusting. Yes, it is disgusting. There are there are re <coughs> there would be legitimate grounds for for outraged people to protest the game. Yeah. The problem was it wasn't people legitimately protesting the game. After it was turf. actors paid to protest the game. By the way, it occurs to me as we talk about this, um, this is an episode in and of itself. Uh, another another thing that was... Uh, I, we don't have much time, so just a quick hit here. Yeah, we're like out of time, really, yeah. technically, but whatever, fuck whatever, it. Whatever, fuck it. Yeah. Um, there was... Uh, I think it was God of War 3. They had this event 
and there was like literally a goat's severed head that was like on this thing, like this big platform of dais or something. <laughs> and it, I, I, I don't know what exactly it was. It was like they had like some kind of liquid that was like emulating blood or something. But they, they literally, it was a real severed goat's head. And it was like some reference to like a god or a monster or something. I don't know, it was like a minotaur thing or something. But it was like an actual animal's decapitated head. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's like those weird things where like, you know, uh, like fast food companies or something will like pay people to name their kid Colonel Sanders. Or like, yeah. they'll be like, it's just the weirdest shit. But yeah, there have been some very odd debacles over the years with these advertising campaigns and... Oh, another one I wanted to touch on real fast was, because uh, I'm you followed that game Mighty Number no. Nine, right? I did. I think you know where I'm going with this. Like an anime fan on prom night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, this one may be the worst of the ones we've cited in the sense that you are not only it was so tone deaf. Well, not not only are you doing. Not only are you doing a terrible job with it, but you are actively trolling your audience. You're actively flipping off the very people that will buy your game. It's like, hey, you, you probably like these things, right? And we want you to buy our things. So fuck you because you like these things. And it's like, what? What are you doing? That's like... Especially since since Mighty Number 9 had a very heavy anime aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's so bizarre. The marketing department just did not know what the fuck they were doing it's there. It's so weird. It would be like, it would be like if it would be like a streaming service making fun of you for being a cinephile. Like, yeah, you probably like you probably like classic movies, don't you? Well, you're a loser. Now buy our shit. Now watch <laughs> our now stream our classic <laughs> movies. Yeah. You like South Live Up by Southwest? Well, mm. Clark Gable's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you are so uncool and out of touch. Now subscribe to the service and buy the Criterion Collection, you fuck. <laughs> it's like, what? What are, you, what are you doing? It just made no sense. And it was so mm. mystifying to me. I was just like, I, I, I mean, I kind of, it was one of those stories that I just kind of followed just incidentally, like, I would see something on a news site or something. I didn't have a vested interest. I never planned to buy it. I didn't really care. I thought it was a potentially interesting thing. That I'm like, hey, good for the fans. I want them to have a thing, you know? But then as it went on, it just got worse and worse. And it was like a stupid ad campaign and, a, again, promising the sky and not delivering. Um, yeah. All I had to do was was make a Mega Man clone. Right. That's it. Just make a game. And I make played, a good game. I played the demo. Yeah. And you know what? They fucked up the core gameplay. Wow. Because here's the thing. Like, in order to destroy robots, you not only had to shoot them, you then had to dash through them. That's stupid. Yes! That's stupid on the face of it. Yes. I mean, I'm no expert, but I played... You had to deal lethal damage to them, then you had to dash through them, otherwise they would recover. I played a few Mega Man and Mega Man X games in my day, and that's just dumb. I can just tell you straight up, that's stupid. I mean, sure, you had had a really good dash mechanic, but, like, the bosses, you had to shoot, 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 then dash. Yeah. And it... For anyone who's, who had ever played a Mega Man game before, like, at least for me, 
and for many other people who tried to play that game, yeah, there was so much built-in muscle memory of shoot, 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 back off, wait for the next next stage, that like... Yeah, it's like you have to relearn I, the whole thing. Yeah, right? you had to relearn how to play the game as opposed to just make it so you shoot the guys. Which is so dumb because a lot of the marketing and idea behind it was, hey, this is a, this is a fan letter. It this was, is a love letter to the people that like these games. It was KG and Afune saying... Um, yeah. Saying, hey, Capcom fired me. I want to keep making Mega Man games, so I'm going to make this game. Yep. They own the rights to Mega Man, so we can't call it that. I'm going to call it Mighty Mighty Number no. Nine. <laughs> and then it was nothing like like it was. Well, it wasn't nothing like Mega Man. It was just enough like Mega Man that it was very off putting to anyone who wanted to play a Mega Man game. Yep. Yep. Well, we are pretty we much are, out of time. Yeah, we're so very much out of time. <laughs> I will, uh, I will just do a few quick hits here to kind of tease things we may talk about. Yep. Um, some things we have covered uh, to more degrees than others. Um, other things that we may delve into in uh, future episodes related to ethics in the gaming industry and so forth. Um, oh my! I, I, I just realized I'm I'm okay with admitting a mistake here on the episode. We totally should have had the spoiler for the week be John Romero is about to make you his bitch. You're absolutely <laughs> right. But that didn't occur to me, so, you know, hey, at least we got to touch on that, right? <laughs> so, um, something like that could be a spoiler. Something similar to that could be a spoiler mm-hmm. for an episode about advertising debacles. Yeah. So, uh, things we may so touch on here. Make you cry like an anime fan on prom. Yes, that too. Uh, there And a lot of these things could be their own episode. Um we lightly touched on things like community management and communication. Um, and how that's a very important thing that no one does right. Exactly. Well, not no one, but... Few people do right. Yeah, it's, it is done right unoften enough. Unoften, that's, that's words. Rarely enough. Rarely enough that um, it is a highlight of pe- when people do it right. Right, exactly. As opposed to... The norm, and it's weird when people don't do it right. Instead, yes. it's like, holy crap, someone that actually does co- like interacts with their community well. Yeah, the feeling that you get when you see it <laughs> tells you all you need to know. Yeah, it you, shouldn't be such a surprise. You shouldn't be happy to see it. You should be like, all right, that's, that's <laughs> it. Should be good. a given, but yeah. it's not, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things: um, uh, end user license license agreements, EULAs. Um, I guess NDAs would be in that realm too. Um, modding stuff in general, modding games, modding the hardware, all that stuff, which also can splinter into ish- questions of like ROMs and piracy and all that good stuff. Uh, well, I was shouldn't say good, but you know, all that stuff. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, c- just conventions in general with how they're held and how they're done. Um, the uh, gosh, it sounds so ancient saying it now, but the concept of booth babes at a convention. That has evolved quite a bit, thank God. Um, MMOs in general, subscription yeah. fees. As, as a quick uh, aside, by the way, to EULAs, because um, yeah. I, I can never remember exactly. I had to look it up. Um, part of iTunes user agreement um, and user license agreement is that you agree that you will not personally attempt to uh, develop and create nuclear weapons. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, biological, chemical, or nuclear weapons, actually. Because if you're the type of person who would do that, you're totally going to adhere to the agreement. <laughs> that is amusing, though. I'm sure they just they yeah no there there put are, it in there as a large there are a lot of really good um, jokes that you can find in yeah. in EULAs. Um, Interesting game. The only way to win is to not play. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, 
there was something that I... Oh yeah, there was also the, uh, the game that there's a PC Pit Stop, um... Said the first per said the first person having read the EULA and send an email to a to a location uh -huh. would get a thousand dollar prize. Oh yeah. It took four months to claim. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Although not that surprising. Yeah, no, it isn't, but it is hilarious. That is pretty funny though. Like um, there, there, there yeah. are there are lists that you can be found out find out there for EULA jokes. And then you know, <laughs> there's, there's other tangential things there, like yeah. you know. Um, privacy and mm -hmm. you know privacy notices and updates and those agreements and stuff yeah. um, you know which also leads into things like data collection data mining you know uh, tracking um, and then you have uh, let's see oh things that we have uh, touched on a little bit but didn't really get into uh, when it comes to like paid content and stuff the whole concept of pay to win as opposed yeah, to yeah we didn't even touch on for pay things. to win and that was another thing with Battlefront 2 is people could pay and get a bunch of cool shit and then they could actually effectively play the game better by unlocking like stronger characters and weapons and stuff. Yeah. That's a whole thing. We'll pay to win is that. a bad thing. Yeah, pay to win sucks. Uh, and of course, uh, we, we only touched on it really about um, Fallout name being on Fallout 76, which is apparently a pile of hot garbage, uh, abusing IP, IP and brand. Yeah. Basically, and basically what I mean by that is slapping a name on something that doesn't deserve it, or exploiting a brand, and of course we talked about milking things to a ridiculous extent, so I'm sure we'll talk about Capcom quite a bit on that. Uh, you know, with like, Super Duper Turbo Alpha Extreme, Street Fighter, to the max, you know. <laughs> it, yeah, it's just, they have really milked their IP beyond recognition. Um, so yeah, Not those are... Not as bad as, as um, Konami, but we'll get to that, we can get to that Oh too. yeah, yeah, Konami is definitely... Hashtag a big... fuck Konami. <laughs> big offender there as well. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, um, as you can tell, there's a lot of things to touch on, and most of that is just from the consumer side too. Of course, wouldn't get too much into the other, because guess what? I don't develop games. I don't sell yeah. games. I don't know much about that shit. No. We try, we generally try to not talk about things we don't know about here at Geek Fanthology. Yeah, um, as a general rule, as we, a general. we try to be <laughs> as educated as we can on the subjects upon which we, we discuss. Yep. And that's part of the charm, is that we actually have personal experience with it. Yeah. So we actually enjoy the conversation and have concrete examples to point to, not mm -hmm. just, well, I heard a friend of mine who has a friend who knows a developer. So I read this article in Ars Technica. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would never say something as trite as that, Neil. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> But yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I'll enjoy it more than we have been to participate. Indeed. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Looking forward to it. Indeed. In the meantime, though, we will talk to you next time about something else, and then I think we're probably going to go on a hiatus in January, just because it's time to recharge batteries and such. Yes. Um, and typically, that's we do go on a hiatus either late December or early January, because we do, because travel and Family and Holidays. schedules. Geek hibernation. Really it's, really, it's schedules more than anything else. But yeah, that's a big part of it. We'll let people know how we're what we're doing as far as that goes. Um, I'll probably maybe try to produce a little bit of like one-off content just for me for those uh, weeks. Uh, in the meantime, though, this has been Neil and half the voice of... Mike. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter U and the number 67. 
Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoy this podcast, or you know people who would, please share it on your social media, or send us an email, or leave us a comment, or really interact with us in any way. We We depend on word of mouth in order to promote this show. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate us. Also check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash geekfanthology, for links to our Discord and for regular updates. We read everything. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us either by making a one-time donation on our website or a reoccurring one at Patreon at patreon.com slash theory. A final thought. Thank God for us. <laughs>